welcome back to Hacker Public Radio. I am Monster B, and this is How I Found Linux, Episode 4. Enjoy! Hi, this is Scarlett Hudson-Ryder, and I'm a co-host on the Fedora Reloaded podcast. I'm going to tell you how I came to find Linux. Um, let's see. Well, I'm a graphics designer, and software for that's really expensive, and so basically, like, my major, um, reason for like finding Linux is like money. Um, it's free and that's awesome. And when I heard that you can get these amazing, um, design programs free of charge, I was all over that. So I got into uh, Fedora and I tried Ubuntu too. Um, but I just really like Fedora and KDE. I went to, um, an event that Google had for this like big, KDE release thing because I was just like started getting started getting into this and realized that the like community was just a bunch of really really cool people who are into freedom and um and into like doing something for the sake of doing something cool and the whole like Linux thing is just like I'm just all about it it's about like anarchy it's about freedom it's about doing stuff because you want to do it, not because, like, someone's paying you to do it, and it's about collaboration and ideas and all this amazing stuff. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much my story. Thanks. How I Found Linux This is Nick, and I found Linux in 1996. I found out about Linux and BSD from a hot tub. In late 1995, I met Paul. He had a hot tub connected to the internet. Paul talked about the power of Unix and the GNU toolset. I was completely fascinated with a hot tub that could send and receive email, and I had to find out more. At the time, real Unix servers had serial green screen consoles, and I needed to have one. Free to a good home was the ad on the local log mailing list and that was a key part for me I managed to get a pallet of green screen monitors into my small car I could barely see through the windows but managed to drive home Jay from the local log helped me with cabling problems that plagued me for more than six months I was off and running with my network of 486 machines and my serial consoles and I've never looked back uh, good hello, Hacker Public Radio. My name is Sigflop, and this is how I discovered uh, Linux. It was a while ago. I don't remember the I don't remember the date exactly, um, but I, for whatever reason, I got interested in FreeBSD, and I wanted to download that and install it. I think free, <laughs> the free part of it, kind of sparked my interest, but I never really did. Um, download it and install it. I think the size of it was a little intimidating. It would take a while. And uh, I had mentioned this to uh, this father of this person I was dating at the time uh, because he was into cryptography and and things like that. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, You use this. And he he gave me a a Linux CD. I believe it was Red Hat uh, 4.2. And uh, I installed that on my laptop and use that for a while. And at the time, um, a little bit before, I was uh, teaching myself C, and I was using Microsoft Quick C. 
and uh, the Linux CD that he gave me uh, came with a nice compiler and all sorts of other things, uh, nice assembler as well, and uh, all these tools for writing things in C, as well as a bunch of source code to things. Uh, and so I think that's the reason why I kind of stuck with it. Uh, and I stuck with, with Red Hat for a while. Um, I got another laptop. I had two laptops. And I got this other laptop a little bit later on, and it had uh, no CD-ROM drive or anything like that. And so I was looking for a distribution that uh, I could put on to it with its flop with its floppy drive. <laughs> Excuse me. I had a floppy drive, and so I came came across Slackware. And I don't remember what version of Slackware was it, but I put Slackware on that, and I uh, ran the two of those for for a good long time. And uh, hmm, I actually uh, got hacked <laughs> a while ago. I had a Red Hat machine. Um, on the internet, and PS and login kept on changing. I didn't really know why, uh, and so I stringed them, and uh, s some of the symbols uh, had owned <laughs> in front of them, owned underscore login, things like that. So I kind of took that as a cue, probably a pretty obvious cue that I've been, uh, been hacked, so I switched to something something else. I think at that time I downloaded uh, Debian. Um, I had heard that Richard Stallman used it, and I thought, oh, I should use that sometime too and see what it's like. So I ran Debian um, for a while after that. And I don't remember the details <laughs> after that too much. Uh, right now, I mostly uh, run OpenBSD as well as Linux um, on two laptops. I like to have at least two different operating systems. You uh, run things on because nothing runs the same or compiles the same on all operating systems. But uh, that's how we discovered Linux. So uh, thank you for listening and take care. Hi, my name is Nick Otley. I'm part of the Ubuntu podcast. Uh, the Linux seed got planted in me probably in the uh, early 90s. The university lab that my dad spent a lot of time in had these Apollo workstations. Apollo had their own proprietary OS, but it was a POSIX compliant, and but it had a pretty cool front end, and it was pretty nice compared to Windows 3.1, which had just come out. Apollo wasn't Linux, but the use of the command line to do real work kind of stuck around in the back of my head. My real introduction to Linux was... Uh, in the fall of 96 or spring of 97, I was a freshman in college. Uh, I'd gotten this Dell Pentium Pro 200 with NT on it. Tinkered, I tinkered around with it for a while, um, but it really I didn't care much for it. Didn't really hate it or anything, but it just didn't get me excited in any way. Uh, the computer labs, on the other hand, have these Solaris boxes. Now, those got me hot and bothered. About the same time, I had a friend who started talking to me about Linux and BSD. Um, probably have to admit that one of the big reasons I started thinking about it was I uh, thought it would be cool to run something that nobody else did. Um, give me some geek cred, or as my co-host on the Ubuntu podcast, Josh Chase, says, uh, it's all about the ECOC. Um <laughs> So 
then I kind of started looking into getting a copy of Linux, and Red Hat was the big distro out there. Um, and I just went online and ordered, I think it was Red Hat 4.2 uh, CDs. Um, and it, it installed fine, and uh, it was okay, but I couldn't get on the school network because apparently I had a newfangled 3Com 905 Ethernet card, and the drivers weren't on the CD. Um, but found somebody at NASA had actually written drivers and was maintaining drivers for the 3Com. And so in the process of getting trying to get that to run, I learn, you know, just operational basics, just how to mount this, how to mount the floppy drive from the command line, copying files to it, unmounting. Um, then came the actual fun of building the driver from source. Uh, that's kind of when I learned, uh, that's when I got introduced to the wonders of make, configure, make, install, and all that. Um, and after I got the driver installed, started learning how to use Pine for email links, uh, just to do quick browsing and, you know, for actually doing homework, learned the wonderful ways of VI. Um, after a couple months there, I still uh, reinstalled Windows. There were too many issues that I just couldn't figure out. Um, but something weird happened uh, a little bit later. I was taking a class which used MATLAB, and the labs that had MATLAB installed on them were running HP's Unix. Uh, being lazy, like most geeks, I realized that I could export out the display from the lab workstations to my computer, so Linux went right back on my uh, machine. But still, I put Windows back on after that semester. Uh, there were still things I couldn't figure out how to do, and Windows probably stood on my desktop for quite a few years after that. Um, Linux was always there in the background. I was either tinkering with it on old machines that I got a hold of. Um, I did some sysadmin work, uh, which was uh, Linux or Unix related in some way. After graduating, all the server stuff, all the server side stuff that I was working on, was uh, pretty much Linux. So Linux was definitely there every day. Um, Probably about four years ago, I started looking into using Linux full-time again. Um, had some previous experience with Debian, so I gave that a shot. Surprisingly, it everything worked right out of the box. Um, but there was still a little bit of something missing for me. Um, it was probably the integration within the desktop. Everything worked functionally, but I... I still needed a little bit more, and eventually you know, heard the whispers about Ubuntu, and the whispers just kept getting louder and louder. And I decided to give it a try, um, either around 5.04, which was Hori Hedge something, and or uh, 5.10, I think that was Breezy Badger, uh, was the first Ubuntu I tried. Hori Hedgehog, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, the first, once I gave Ubuntu a shot, um, that pretty much settled it for me. Um, I'm Nick Ali from the Ubuntu Podcast. We do a video podcasts, obviously about Ubuntu, and specifically what is going on in the Ubuntu community. Uh, visit us at ubuntupodcast.net.
Oh, hi, world. I'm Kristen Shoemaker. I'm a blogger at Giga Networks Austatic, and I'm a full-time Linux user. I started using Linux way back in the day when Allosaurs roamed the Earth, and floppy disks needed to be manually mounted in order to be readable. That was about 2001. For reasons that remain shrouded in mystery, I had gotten it in my head to build my own computer with two hard drives. Two hard drives, of course, beg for two operating systems, but over time, I actually just started using one. And that was Linux. And everybody has things in their life that they can look back on and say, ah, man, that wasn't supposed to work out that way. And that's kind of me with Linux, but actually this is in a good way. I had no idea that I'd like it as much as I did, and that I'd find it so handy at work, or that it would eventually become the lifesaver that it is now. When I was able to work in the library, I was working in reference and systems, and there were all sorts of little surreptitious ways to sneak open source software into the mix. Uh, open Office, Firefox, GIMP. I seriously stopped the library for paying for a full Photoshop license because all they needed to do was resize the picture. Come on. It was moving the public computers to Linux that was a massive win for us. The staff had a lot of less hassle in managing the computers, and the patrons could safely do a hell of a lot more with them. And most had no idea that they weren't on the usual machines, except for those little stray comments like, wow, these computers are actually fast and they don't freeze up anymore. It was actually when I froze up that the whole game changed for me. Um, a neurological condition made it impossible for me to work reliably at all outside my home, and uh, sometimes it makes it hard for me to work reliably inside my home. Linux was and is still a lifeline for me, and not in an I've-fallen-and-I-can't-get-up kind of way. It's actually a lot more than that. While Linux can always just work, it also allows me to break it and take it apart and look at its innards and just try to stuff it all back together. And in those long, agonizing time spans with nothing going on but Jerry Springer and Judge Judy reruns, it kept my brain active and engaged, and uh, it didn't care that I needed to periodically limp away and lay there. But then the bizarre part kind of happened. I realized I actually was learning in some way about how it worked, and I began writing about it. And then Linux wasn't just a single lifeline, it was a big coax cable thickness knot of lifelines like reaching out in all directions. I'm still not completely sure how I found Linux. Um, it feels more like it found me some days. It's a uh, one unexpected turn, though, that I'm totally okay rolling with. Uh, my name is Todd, uh, occasionally seen around the internets as Yo-Yo Ned. And I thought I'd tell you how I found Linux. Um, back in probably 98 or so, uh, I had a friend who was doing some real early work with LPI, the Linux Professional Institute. And he was working on their tests. You know, they're helping them develop the testing that they did. So anyway, part of his job was... Uh, Obviously, he needed to know something about Linux, which he didn't. He was a, a big computer user, but, uh, you know, you know, at the time, not, not very many people knew anything about Linux, including himself. So he bought him a 486 off of eBay and I don't know, started learning Linux and was pretty excited about it. Um, I had just gotten my basically my first computer at home, and it had uh, Windows 98, just like everything else did back then. Um, and I, I was, you know, I'd quickly learned to use it, you know, enjoyed using a computer, but, you know, got really frustrated with the instability and, you know, couldn't couldn't do more than two or three things at a time. Couldn't, you know, everything you wanted to do cost money and I was cheap. So, anyhow, um, he had convinced me to uh, try Linux. Every time I would complain to him about what my computer was doing, he would say, well, you know, that stuff doesn't happen in Linux. So um, I was real worried about losing any data that I might have. So I didn't want to do an installation of Linux. So 
what at the time there were a, a few Linux distributions um, that did something similar to what Wubby does now, where it you can install Linux, but it lives inside a single file on a Windows partition or that partition. So the the one I used was called Fat Linux, which was spelled P H A T, and you download it to zip file, extract it, and then um, you boot when you started Windows. You'd start into DOS mode, run this batch script, and then it would boot uh, into Linux and run this file. Well, it was uh, it was pretty useless. Um, I could get X to work after some. Well, I could get X to work. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. But I couldn't get on the internet. I had a uh, one of those Windows only modems, and uh, it was this was you know long before the days of. Uh, Alsa, so there was just a handful of sound cards that were supported, and mine wasn't one of them. So, no internet, no sound, barely any graphics. So, it was it was stable, uh, but it you know didn't do anything. So I kind of kept up uh, with it with Linux a little bit. I would talk to this guy about it, you know, occasionally, and he he was trying to get me to inst- do a real installation, and I I was just too too worried about. I didn't want to do any partitioning or anything like that. So, anyway, um, at, at the time, while all this was going on, um, I was in the Navy, and I was getting ready to make a, a six-month deployment. Uh, so, he he was going to lend me a laptop to use while I was on the ship. Uh, and, the, and the one he, the laptop he lent me had Red Hat 6.2 on it. And I was going to take it with me, uh, thinking that, you know, I've got six months. I'm going to be bored out of my mind. I'm going to, uh, I'll be able to learn Linux and really get into it while I've got it. So I wanted to have some documentation and some backup software and stuff like that. Uh, so I went to, I don't know, one of the box stores, I don't remember, uh, and bought a boxed copy or a box set of Red Hat 7.0. This was early 2001. I don't remember exactly. Uh, so I bought Red Hat 7.0. I came home and just, you know, without any help, the night before I, re- you know, report to the ship for good uh, for six months, I, I'm sitting in my living room and I'm installing uh, Red Hat 7. It came on a disc of like four CDs and it had a, a maybe a 50-page installation guide. And the other thing I bought while I was out was a, uh, I forget the exact name of it, but it was a pretty thick Linux book. Um, so I bought that, bought the Linux book, installed Red Hat 7, took it on the ship, um, and, you know, I, I spent a lot of time just fooling with it. Um, I learned, I, I took a collection of audio CDs with me, so uh, I learned how to rip uh, CDs with it, convert those CDs into MP3s. I read tons and tons of documentation uh, you know, I learned how to install Linux. I installed it and uninstalled, or, you know, would wipe it out and install it again. I did that a bunch, too. Learned about GNOME and KDE. It was really a good way to learn Linux, because I didn't have anything else to do. So, um, anyway, by the time I got home, I was I was familiar enough with it, and I was comfortable uh, dual-booting. So, I, I went ahead and installed, uh, I think... By the time I got home, I may have installed that Red Hat, but I I remember real specifically 
using Mandrake a lot. So it was probably my first real home installation was Mandrake probably in sevens or eights. I don't remember exactly, but um, that's how I found Linux. Hi, my name is Lawton Paul. Um, in about 2006, I sort of discovered Linux, or Linux kind of discovered me when we came together. Um, at the time, I was a Mac user, and I had been for about 10 years, and I really loved the Mac. And, you know, I still do in a way. I mean, the interface is beautiful, and everything just works, and all that good stuff you hear about the Mac um, is true, I think, especially when you compare it to Windows, you know. Ooh. Um but there was one thing that, uh, and, I, and I did, uh, and I still do, I do, um, I build websites with uh, MySQL and PHP um, and Apache. And I was doing that happily on the Mac, and, and, and I had a, and there was one problem, though, with all of this. Uh, one thing that kind of was like a, a thorn in my little computing world, and that was I had a perfectly good piece of hardware, but when OS X came around, Suddenly, uh, my hardware just wasn't up to snuff. But it was good enough for me, and it was good enough to run Photoshop 7 and everything else I was using, so it kind of annoyed me that I was in this position where I had to, had to upgrade the hardware. That was, that was the only thing. I mean, the Mac OS was heading in one direction, and my little computer was being left behind on, a, on an island. <clears throat> so I was just kind of frustrating that I, I was being forced. I was in this position where I, I had no options. And I had even begun to, like... Whenever I walked past the computer store, I'd, I'd look in there and see these, you know, bare bones computers with no OS for you know a few hundred bucks, and they were more powerful than my computer I had. And I thought, wow, could I maybe I could use Windows? And I even considered that for a while, but that was just you know that was just not an option. I really hated Windows at the time. I think I'm a little, I'm I'm more, I'm a, I'm a Linux person now, but I'm I think I'm less, I'm more computer agnostic, I suppose. Anyway. So I, that's, the, that's the spot I was in, and, and I just was kind of, didn't know what to do. So one day I was walking to lunch, and out in front of this boutique of all places, there was this, this computer sitting there, just sitting out front with a bunch of junk. And me and my friend walked by, and we, we was, I, of course, I you know, saw the spot of the computer and ran over there and asked the lady, you know, what the deal was with the, was with the computer. She says, oh, it's got a virus. You know, it's, it's dead. It's, that sucker's dead. I said, well, you know, I could take it off your hands, and sure enough, she's a Windows. She actually, in the boutique, she points over to her husband, who's sitting at a you know, brand new Toshiba laptop or something with a smile on his face. So they really didn't want the thing, so I took the computer, sure enough, booted it up, did not connect it to the Internet, and just a million pop-ups just, you know, came up. You know, it was just amazing to watch, you know. I just was laughing. So I, you know, they even gave me the um, Windows CD. So I put the Windows CD in, slicked the hard drive, reinstalled the OS, and bam, I got a perfectly good computer. It's an AMD 1.2 gigahertz Duron. Okay, it's not, you know, the fastest thing, but actually that was faster than my Mac at the time. Um, I upgraded the RAM in it, and I had a pretty good little box, and I used it to um, to test websites on because I was running, you know, building websites in a Mac, and the worst thing is to, you know, build a, you know, spend 10 days, you know, developing the, you know, getting the, the, the look just right and then realizing it doesn't work on Internet Explorer 5 point whatever, 6 point whatever. Um, so anyway, but it just felt bad having that, having Windows. Just didn't feel right, you know. Felt just like, I called it slag box, you know, because I, I didn't even like the computer. 
because it had Windows on it, but, you know, I grudgingly used it. And so, you know, I had been hearing about this Ubuntu thing, you know, Ubuntu, whatever. I didn't, you know, I was like, what is that? That's some Linux thing. So I... I just been hearing about it a lot. It kind of kept coming up and coming up, and so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll try this. You know, maybe that's that that could be a solution. And I, I really came in with no expectations at all. Um, I didn't know what an ISO was. I didn't even, you know, I went to I uh, burned an I or downloaded an IS, ISO. It was Dapper 6.06, and um, I got the got it onto the CD again with absolutely no expectations. It stayed in my bag for like a week. Forgot about it. And then one day I'm sitting in the computer and I, and I looked in my bag and there's this CD and I'm like, what is that? I, I didn't even remember what it was. And I put it in the, in the computer and, I, and then I remembered, oh, that's the, you know, that's the Linux CD. And so I booted, rebooted the computer and installed Linux and amazingly it installed. Um, I, of course, you know, there's always little problems. I didn't have, um, I couldn't record audio. I could hear audio but couldn't record audio. And that was, you know, that actually as problems go, that wasn't, that wasn't very big at all. I was off to the races. Um, I ended up installing uh, Zubuntu XFCE4, and and it just it worked. And I was I was I couldn't believe it. You know, here I was. I had this this operating system that was elegant and fast, and there was so many options. And that was the thing that that really made it for me. It's like I did have an option. Suddenly, I had options. You know, I could go you know KDE and have all the you know. Uh, how shall I put this nicely? All of the stuff that comes with KDE, or I could go super minimal, like I wanted to do, you know, and 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 run, you know, I don't know. At the time, I didn't know about it, but I could run OpenBox or whatever. I, I and 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 I ended up on Zubuntu, and the thing just worked. And what I did was I got a KVM switch, um, which I could switch, and and I hooked it up to the between the Mac and the Linux box. And then I could just press a little button and go to the Mac when I needed to and press the button again and boom, I'm back into Linux. And I just left it that way for uh, about about six months. And in that six-month period, it, I just I used the Mac less and less. And the only thing, of course, here we go, here's the old story. The only thing that was holding me back was Photoshop. So I'd build a website. I got, I got uh, everything going on the Linux box, you know, and the, the, the Apache, MySQL, PHP, of course, you know. It just it was just wonderful, you know. And it was fast. It worked well. And I didn't have any problems. I didn't have any, you know, of course, there's no virus issues. It, I just, you know, too good to be true. And so I had the KVM switch set up. And it just got to the point where I never even pressed the button anymore. I just stayed in Linux. My wife just kind of took over the Mac, and all of my, you know, website building duties just went to Linux. And I'm still there now. Um, I don't have Photoshop, but maybe I got to GIMP, so we're good to go. And uh, and um, so anyway, so that's my story. Oh, and thanks, Monster B. That was that was a cool idea. Hope hope this wasn't boring. Peace out. All right, episode four. If you'd like to be part of episode five, please send an audio clip to Monster B at LennoxCranks.info. And remember, it doesn't. There is no time limit, so it could be one minute or an hour. It doesn't matter. Just send it to me. It can be in a wave, AUG, FLAC, or even an MP3. Well, I hope to hear from you, and uh, thanks for listening to Hacker Public Radio. See ya.
Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.